Hello and welcome to Stories of Yore with me, Natalie Sia, as we explore folk tales, myths, and legends from Southeast Asia and beyond. The month of April sees Thailand celebrating the Songkran Festival. Songkran marks the beginning of the traditional Thai New Year, and if you've ever visited Thailand during the festival, you'll know that it's a truly wet affair, and chances are you wouldn't be able to walk down the street without getting splashed. Unless, of course, well, if you're a baby or a young child or an elderly person, then they're very respectful about not wetting you without permission. I remember when I was there a few years ago, I was not only splashed, but I had buckets of ice poured on me. But don't worry, I was armed with my water guns, so I was not without defence. So why the water fights? Well, water has always played a major symbolic role in Songkran. It's seen as a symbol for cleansing, purifying or renewing, so water is often used to represent the washing away of the previous year to help you get ready for the new one. There's an important religious ritual during Songkran, which is the bathing the Buddha ritual. Buddhists would pour clean or scented water over Buddha statues at the temple and at home as an act of purification, the washing away of sins and the welcoming of good fortune. Besides that, Thai people also pour water into their elder relatives' hands to ask for blessings for the new year or sprinkle water on friends and family for good luck. As with many celebrations and festivals in Thailand, Songkran has its origins deeply rooted in myth and legend. So here's the legend of Nang Songkran or the Seven Goddesses of Songkran. The legend began with a wealthy man and his drunk neighbour. The wealthy man had everything he could ever want, except children of his own. His neighbour, on the other hand, was a drunkard with nothing but two sons. And the drunkard neighbour loved using that over the wealthy man. He taunted his rich neighbour night and day, saying that all he'd worked so hard to build and all the riches that he had would, at the end of the day, go to dust. Humiliated and desperate for an heir, the wealthy man prayed to the sun and moon gods for a son. But his prayers went unanswered until he offered cooked rice to the tree god living in a banyan tree. The tree god granted the rich man's wish and he was finally blessed with a son named Dhamma Palakumar. Dharma Palakumar turned out to be a wise and gifted child who could memorize and recite scriptures by the age of seven. He was also widely believed to understand the language of the birds. Having heard of this young boy's wisdom, the god of creation Kabila Brahma decided to put the child to the test. So he appeared before the boy and gave him a riddle. Where is the glory of mankind located in the morning, during the day, and in the evening? The god gave Dhammapalakumar seven days to find the answer. If the boy failed, he would be beheaded. But if he succeeded, the god himself would cut his own head off. The boy spent six days rummaging through books and texts and examining the riddle from every angle. Yet, he could not find or figure out the answer. Disappointed 
and realizing that he was probably going to lose the challenge and his head, he curled under a sugar palm tree to rest for the night. A pair of eagles flew overhead and rested on the tree branch, and Dhamma Palakumar, who understood the language of the birds, knew that the eagles were waiting for him to lose the riddle so they could feast on his body. But to his delight, the eagles began discussing the riddle, and they revealed the answer, not knowing that the boy understood every word. The next morning, on the seventh and final day of his challenge, Dhamma Palakuma appeared before Kabila Brahma and answered the riddle. In the morning, he said, the glory of men appears on the face as people wash their faces. In the afternoon, the glory moves to the chest, where people spray perfume. And at night, the glory is at the feet, as people wash them before going to bed. Accepting his defeat, Kabila Brahma honoured his word to cut his own head off. But Kabila Brahma's head was not an ordinary head. Some described it as extremely hot, while others simply said it held strange and magical qualities. In any case, if his head were to fall to the ground, a fire would engulf the earth and destroy all life. If it remained in the air, the rains would stop forever, and if his head was thrown into the sea, all the water would evaporate. To keep the world safe from such disasters, the god's seven daughters, the Nang Songkran or the goddesses of Songkran, placed his head in a golden vessel on an elevated tray and they carried it in procession around Mount Meru before storing the god's head in a cave on Mount Kailash with many offerings. And every year, as the sun enters Aries at the beginning of the new year, the daughters would take turns to bring out the god's head and carry out the entire procession to keep the world safe. And that was the legend behind the Songkran Festival. If you have any favourite folktales or have come across some really interesting ones, do share with me. I'd really love to hear from you. You can get in touch with me through the Stories of Your website at storiesofyore.com. And if you have a minute, it would be nice if you could leave a review or a rating for this podcast or share it with your friends and family. That's all for today. Thank you so much for listening and I'll catch you in the next episode. Until next time... Hold your stories close and the magic of storytelling closer.